You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part one of what will be a three-part episode. Uh, I am doing a little family vacation, and since I always record, I almost never have uh, days that the podcast does not occur. I am going to, in this month, take three days off. Uh, That means you'll get this part one on Friday, part two on Tuesday, and part three on Thursday. This is going to be a three-part MLB mock draft podcast. We'll see how many picks that is. We'll keep going until I run out of picks. I thought it'd be something fun, a way to theme this up, do something a little different back to, you know, it was kind of where I started with all of these when I was kind of the draft person before I became a podcaster. So for those who don't know, uh, before I got into podcasting, by the way, I what inspired me to do this was uh, this is what I did in my locker room uh, last week. I sat there and I did a mock draft for fun right there in the locker room and I thought hey let's do this on the show Uh, if you want to join me in those locker room chats uh, sign up for the locker room app it's a lot of fun but okay so I started off writing for Indians baseball inside Indians prospect insider back in like 2007 it was not long after that whole uh, playoff collapse out there and uh, maybe 2008 when I started writing. I think I discovered the site in 2007. I'd been talking with my friends about how there needed to be more prospect sites. There weren't a ton of them. And there was Baseball America and that someone should do kind of just a... I wanted to get together writers to do basically like the Bleacher Report of Prospects, which kind of happened in its own regards uh, since then. But it was kind of an idea I had at that point in time. And I ended up writing an Indians Baseball Insider or Indians Prospect Insider as it was at the time because... Uh, I fell in love with the site, and I was very excited to be one of the first people that was brought on. I was there for a few years, and then 2008 was, you know, it was a very interesting... 2007, I watched the draft. I've talked about that before. 2008, I followed the coverage on the site. 2009, I started writing about it, and then around 2011, I started getting really in-depth and doing, like, I think that year, maybe I did, like, a top 50... Eventually, uh, at my peak over at Scout, I did like a top 151 for the site as a one-person thing. I was writing the equivalent of a novel every June just on the draft. Uh, I would legitimately write up every single draft pick that occurred. So, And then I would do a best available, and I would do a round three mock. So I was legitimately up till 6 to 7 in the morning every year after the draft was done. Uh, I'd be texting furiously beforehand, trying to get out one last mock. I always did like a three-round mock just for fun. Uh, If you're curious about how those worked, not always well, though I'll always brag about the fact that I did get Richie Palacios to the Indians in the third round because I I could identify their type. Uh, There's some things I can do better than others. The Indians and the White Sox are always two teams I was able to read pretty well. Uh, The Indians, I knew they knew of me through Tony Lastoria, who's to run the Indian site. Uh, he would send us, like, you know, the Indians saying us nice things about our coverage. And then uh, a member of the White Sox front office follows me on Twitter. Like, I think he's the only one who's out there about it. Uh, I know I would hear from Taylor about managers or assistant general managers commenting on how well our draft coverage was. 
Uh, Taylor has more connections than me, so he would get that. And I'd always be like, hey, you could let me know. It'd be pretty cool to actually hear that directly from someone. But uh, that didn't occur. So it was always, you know, interesting. It's always nice. I did have a few DMs with that member of the White Sox who said nice things as well. So it's weird to know that I don't have a place that I write for right now. I have my own little website over at mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. Yeah, it's a blog spot. That's that's the level of it that I'm at. I just don't have as much time to write. But to know that I, like, am there, I still appear places as a national writer on the draft. Uh, I'm gonna. I was on the Kansas City uh, Prospect uh, podcast f- talking about the draft, and then to know that I still get you know peaks from organizations, which is weird as well. But uh, yeah, to be this kind of like low level, but with uh, followers in organizations, like I said, it's it's weird. It's different. Uh, so that's kind of so. The full thing is, uh, I was getting. Let's see, I moved back to Ohio in 2012. And it was getting burned out, and I was thinking, you know what, I've been trying this writing thing for five years. At that point in time, I kind of, in my mind, I had peaked uh, over on Indians Prospect Insider. There wasn't a whole lot more else I could do. There was a time where at least I was, you know, Terry Pluto was quoting my stuff in The Plain Dealer and things like that, and that was pretty cool. And then that all just kind of faded, and I wasn't appearing in things, and Indians Prospect Insider wasn't appearing in things, and it was kind of disheartening. So I kind of announced I was quitting, and then that's when Tony announced that we were going over to Scout. And then Tony contacted Scout, and they decided, uh, no, don't quit. We would like to hire you, which was huge. I became a national guy. It was fantastic. I always talk about like appearing on John Stash Hour's radio show on ESPN Radio. The night of the draft was uh, incredibly nerve-wracking, but just an awesome experience. First year, did about 40 radio spots. The next year, I did twice, maybe three times that. I just, you know, I remember like going to bed after the draft was done, falling asleep at around seven setting an alarm to wake up at nine to do a radio spot in Tampa, going back to bed for another hour, maybe hour and a half, waking up and starting it all over again. Uh, the, the most, at the same time, I think I talked about when uh, we had uh, Carlos from Baseball America. Like I remember having an interview with a radio station in Texas and them asking me about the Rangers and their problems. And I'm like, I, it was the worst interview I've ever given. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't want to say like, I haven't followed the Rangers. <laughs> like I'm not, I've only followed the draft for the past month and a half. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with the Rangers, but it's just a very awkward exchange, needless to say. I haven't done radio in Texas really since then. But yeah, I, I still enjoy it. I still have fun. It's I think it's as the kid who grew up falling asleep listening to K&R, uh, there's always a joy in doing that radio. And now I guess podcasts are like radio, but there's still a certain magic to the radio uh, as a soon-to-be 40-year-old. That just it, it's the experience of having grown up with it. I mean, I used to play my Nintendo, sit there and play Dragon Warrior while listening to K&R all summer. That's uh, just part of what my life was. Like, I remember sitting there playing GoldenEye on a Thanksgiving, listening to Kenny Rhoda do a who should own every number thing. Like, you know, 0 to 99. And I thought it was a really cool idea, and it was just fun to hear people discuss and talk about that. And stuff like that stands out. So it, that's kind of the background. That's the lead up. I know if you're tuning in for the mock, first part is just me talking So I, about my own background. So I went to Scout, and that was great. It was fantastic. Melissa Lockard over at uh, The Athletic uh, still throws work my way from time to time. She was my editor, and she's one of the kindest people I've ever met uh, in the biz. Uh, I did have a quick stop over at like MLB Draft. I can't remember what it was called. With Chris Crawford, he used to write at ESPN and at um, 
uh, baseball prospectus uh, in between. It was kind of funny. He got the baseball prospectus gig at about the same time I got the scout gig. So it's like, and then the other, like Craig Goldstein, who's at baseball prospectus now, and Ryan Divish, who's a Seattle writer. It's like we were all together at one point in time on that website. So yeah, that's kind of crazy when you think about the number of people who went on to bigger things from a very small website. But it was a very cool crew. And then, like I said, Melissa was great. Got to meet Taylor when I joined uh, the Scout family. And it was a seasonal gig. And then they just gave me full control of the site because uh, they were changing how they were going with their pay structure. And then because they had had kind of an outrageous pay structure, uh, the site found, uh, folded 24-7, bought it. it was CBS bought it. Essentially, it went to 24-7. And, you know, it was fine. <laughs> we were forgotten about. I did miss... The nice thing about Scout was they had, like, a PR guy who pitched me to radio stations. That's why I did so many. Unfortunately, after that, we didn't have that, and that's why that kind of collapsed and went away. But, uh, you know, I still operated and did my own thing. And then they decided to get rid of baseball. I had some discussions trying to prove to them, like, hey, I do a lot that's just college-related. There's value in that. And there were some sites that, you know, backed me up on that. But they just decided wholesale baseball is gone. You know, and most baseball sites had left because... Uh, the network was the value. It's like every article I wrote when we were at Scout, we had that huge network. Every single one, I got a Google alert. Even when like my mock or my mock, my big board last year, no, it was my mock. One of my mocks uh, had nearly 500,000 hits. It was amazing. Uh, you can find the tweet where I talk about that. I still didn't get a Google alert. Uh, but when I was, when we had the full network, I would get a Google alert on everything I wrote. Uh, I, in terms of like my writing career, it's like, that really is the pinnacle. Like those those first those years at Scout are as cool as this got to me. Not to say it's like bad now, but that was definitely the the coolest. And it was a very small field uh, at the time, which now there's like so many people that you, it's easier to get lost in the shuffle. But it's also the sadness of now that I see like a lot of people who got in this field with me either out completely or never really had that opportunity. So I'm very thankful to have had the opportunity when I did. But 24-7 bought it, uh, got rid of, the archive like we had all all these players tagged we had this in-depth archive system where you know scout had gone through a few different hands but certain like melissa had always run the oakland site brian had always won run the cardinal site there were established sites that did quite well fun fact my site had previously been run by franklin uh Pileri, i can't remember his last name i'm not he went to division one baseball i'm not sure if he went to an organization or what now and then Kylie McDaniels, who I replaced. So when I, I had the ability, uh, Scout also gave us a lot more control of the site in and of itself. So when I would go to the website, like I could see who had comps, like who had a comp account. Uh, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't do it. Uh, but one of the comp accounts I could have canceled and or written down the email and held on to was Brian Cashman and his personal account. Now you're thinking I probably should have wrote that down. But through Kylie, he had a lot of like connections listed there that just sat there, and I didn't, I did not abuse it. But it was interesting to see. Okay, so Brian Cashman has a comp account here. I don't know if he's still checking it, but it's good to know. So it's you know just kind of another random fun little thing. But yeah, we uh, we had a lot of control, and we had this great um, you know it was the annoyance of I had to then enter all the tags because I was the draft guy, so I was entering information before most people. But when they switched our what we were posting on it became a lot easier of a system to navigate but it also got rid of that like whole in-depth system and that's when everyone left and then after that it was a slow bleed off and then eventually they just canned baseball so that is my backstory as a writer that is the the whole 
you know, major points of it, uh, that, that went away like last May. Now you can still find some baseball stuff that completely wiped my site. And I think it is because I wrote a like goodbye piece, uh, like saying I'm done. <laughs> so, but for whatever reason, like mine got completely wiped. It's gone. Can't find it. Can't find any of my old data, any of that stuff kind of stings. But that happened, like I said, last year, not had a place. Now I kind of, when I have time, it appears on MLB draftnow.blogspot.com so if you get a chance check it out now that you know the backstory of myself as a writer we'll get into the mock we will get to the mock but first let's do the dreaded ad break today's episode is brought to you in part by fully loaded chew fully loaded chew is a tobacco-free long cut and pouches that give you the same pack dip spit and buzz you used to without tobacco available in nine flavors fully loaded tobacco is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All their nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like fully loaded. And right now, they have a special deal for the Locked On team. It is offering to everyone who listens uh, a special offer. Right now, you can try a can for just a dollar. That's right, one dollar. Go to FullyLoadedChew.com, use the promo code Locked On. just add $1 and free shipping... Uh, Use the promo code Locked On for just a dollar and free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. Next time you go for dip, make it FullyLoadedChew.com. Okay, let's start this mock off. Uh, now that you know where I came from, kind of some fun foibles uh, and the story. Let's let's lead things off. Pittsburgh Pirates are on the clock. So far, this has been a front office that is squarely focused on adding high upside talent in every deal they've done. They have gone for ceiling. They have gone for players that are far from the majors. All that fun stuff. So who would the Pirates go here? Well, you're probably looking at the shortstops. Let's be honest. All of the, the four big-name shortstops, Cleo Watson being the biggest, uh, hottest name of late. Shortest in stature, hottest name. Uh, I think, though, it's Marcello Mayer. Now, I still like Lawler better. That's just me. But Mayer seems to be the guy. Uh, you know, Lawler, Watson, Davis are still all in this mix. But I think right now... Mayer is the player. He, you know, everyone knows the Tigers are in love with him. He won't get past them. So I think it's rather safe that we can just go ahead and put Mayer on the board here, cross his name out, send him to the Pirates. Uh, number two pick with is the Rangers. Now this is interesting. The Rangers have been highly conservative in the draft over the last few years. Now that's after being one of the most aggressive teams. Why did they change? Well, they had high-end minor league talent, uh, but almost none of it worked out. I think back to when I wrote up my Rangers review when I was at Scout. I did a top 100 one year, and we had like Ariel Girado. He hasn't done anything. I'm blanking on the other top pitching prospect, uh, Leotis Tavares, who a lot of people had like as a top 40 guy. Where I looked at him, I'm like, I get he's an elite defender, but the guy can't hit, and that's still his story. Like he still can't hit. So it's, you know, it's a situation where they kind of got burned on high-end talent and they were going with, uh, you know, a lot of safer picks in recent drafts. They've kind of taken the safest player in the draft recently. They do have a new uh, GM, but it's still kind of that same scouting group. It's, it's an internal replacement. It's not like they went out and got someone new. So, you know, is it Cleo Watson uh, who gets talked up? Is it Jordan Lawler? Lawler's the local kid. He would make a lot of sense in the old system. This, I, I am conflicted. I, I'm going to go with lighter, though, because 
he's the safe player relative to things. Now, I, he's not the safest to me, but I think when you're looking at the players that is projected here, the names who come up, uh, you know, I think Henry Davis makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's the thing. So I have to think about this. I'm going to... No, we'll go with Leiter. You know, he's he's got the bloodlines. He comes from a good program. He's still a relatively safe player, a big-name player. Now, they have gone kind of with underslot dudes. When you look at, like, Josh Jung and some of their other picks that have been a little bit off-board. I want to go pull up their top 30 because, I'm you know, it's a problem when you follow this. You can't keep everyone fresh in the top of your head. Uh, I mean, Jung, Justin Foscue a year ago as well. Um, Jung was two years ago. They've gone with very safe developmental types. You know, Hans Kraus was a recent guy. Cole Wynn, uh, who have not quite lived up to it. Davis Wenzel was a second-round pick. It was Baylor, I want to say. Very safe. So, yeah, they've gone very safe. Now, who's... Davis is the safest guy, but we'll go with Leiter. That has been a name rumored to them. I'm going to believe that, yes, they are sticking with the safe approach in the draft. Tigers. Jackson Job is name connected there uh yeah i get it. he's the best pitching prospect in years i have him 12th on my own board because high school pitching prospects the return on investment is really bad I, it comes down to it it's a big risk i just don't think it's worth it i think you're paying a premium for a low turnout and you know the tigers more power to him again i think he's probably the best pitching prospect amongst the high school ranks of two to three years but it's just not my game. That's not where I'm going to be. And I'm not as high on it. But uh, Brady House was also the name I had heard in the mix. They would love Mayer. Uh, now, I also have to point out the Tigers. I'm contractually obligated. I've drafted two shortstops in the entire, what, 50-year history of the draft. Uh, last one was Scott Moore in the early 2000s, who immediately moved to third base. And the other was, like, in the 70s, who was a legit shortstop. And I can't think who it is now. Uh, for whatever reason, Detroit does not go shortstop. So, yeah, Job right there so the red sox at four uh this is chase bloom and it's interesting because they have or not chase chain bloom who came from tampa now tampa went for uh kind of like prep pitchers they went with they went with a lot of ceiling they also loved up the middle talent uh clay watson i'm going to go with because he's the quick he's got the best quick twitch of the group now, it's interesting the Red Sox have been mostly linked to college talent when you look at uh, reports. But what Bloom did as part of that Tampa squad and what they even did a year ago is go for prep talent and go for ceiling and go for up-the-middle talent. Uh, Lawler versus Watson. You know, Watson's the hot name right now. He's still playing. He's still performing. He's getting a chance to show what he can do. And I think he might be a little bit cheaper, which I think is another benefit Like when these guys are so similar uh, in terms of rank. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Watson at four, again uh, going against board five Orioles. Um, this is another one where they have been so college dominated. Uh, they've been very safe in a lot of their picks. Would they cut a deal for Davis? I mean, to me, he's the number one player on in the draft, so I'd be more than fine with that. Could be Lawler, though. Lawler's name has popped up in rumors here. Uh, if you are very analytical, like the Cleveland Indians, like the Baltimore Orioles, you value up the middle talent, you value shortstops, you value athleticism and contact skills. Baltimore does not have shortstops in their system. 
Uh, it is kind of a, a black, not a black hole position, but they have a lot of talent and a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of high-end shortstops, uh, even amongst their top prospects. Like Gunnar Henderson was drafted as a shortstop, but he's a third baseman. I don't even know if he's playing short anymore. So they don't really have anyone at that one. So it, for me, it kind of comes down to Lawler versus Davis, and I think they'll go Davis. So I'm saying all of that to still go Davis because I think they'll cut under slot. And I think you go back to when they had Rushman, uh, who was clearly the top player in that class, they just debated going under slot, if you believe all the rumors at the time, and they ended up not. And last year they went pretty massively under slot with uh, Kerstad and... I'm sorry, Jerstad. You don't pronounce the K. Uh, in this case, I know people out there saying what, but Davis, you know, they already have a catcher. Don't you catchers? Or there's been, you know, when I did the research since 2018, there have only been two catchers who have a positive runs created plus every single season, and that's Yasmani Grandal and JT Romuto. It's hard to find that guy. It's hard to find that guy who can be a consistent everyday plus player. And those players got paid a lot when they hit the open market for a reason. Uh, Davis is not a great defender. I mean, he's probably going to be more average. So if you move him off, the bat's going to play elsewhere. If you keep him there, you have an incredibly valuable trade asset. So I don't see an issue. I still think he's there. Diamondbacks. Um, I think at this point in time... If you're the Diamondbacks and you look at... They're interesting because they, for a while there, went very high ceiling. And then last year... So they started out very conservative. And they had like two drafts with a lot of picks and capital where they went high ceiling. And I loved what they did. And then they had uh, last year where they went incredibly conservative. I think, you know, you kind of throw out the 2020 data to a degree because it was such an odd year. And teams... It made sense to go conservative because you had more data at this point in time, you are the Diamondbacks. You're sitting there at six. You have Jordan Lawler and Brady House are both still on the board. I think they'll take Lawler. I think they'll take the high-ceiling shortstop, someone who I have number two on my personal board. They they went with very athletic, up-the-middle players, You know, quick arms, uh, guys like Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll. And a lot of those prospects and those draft picks have worked out really well when they have taken the more cons- uh, the more athletic more risk type. So I think when you're sitting there staring at a Jordan Lawler, I think they'll take him. I don't think it's really a, an issue or debate. So that leaves Kumar Rocker to the Royals. Uh, the Royals podcast I was on, that's what they wanted. I think he's top five talent, so I think he's an unbelievable get there. They could consider Brady House. I wouldn't be shocked if they went with Brady House at seven. You know, there, there's a. It, it basically comes down to really at this point in time, like Rocker, House, maybe Sal Fralick or Sam Bachman. But House and Rocker are kind of the last of the guys in kind of that consensus tier for high-end talent. We'll continue this mock in a moment, but first, let's take a break and talk about some of our fantastic sponsors. Built Bar, how do I love thee? Let me count the waves. It's They're good. They're delicious. One, first off, they taste great. Two, they're good for you. I get an A grade on my health food app when I put it in. Three, for me, they're gluten-free, and they're still, like, delicious and chewy and fantastic. Four, 
when you go there, you use the promo code LOCKDOWN15 to get 15% off your order, and you're saving 15% on a fantastic product, and that's the same discount I get as a return customer. I love everything about Built Bar. If you give it a try, you will too. Fantastic product. It's fantastic for your body. Everything about it's fantastic. BuiltBar.com. Remember that promo code is LOCKEDON15. Remember to uh, get the mix box, see which one is your favorite, see if you agree or disagree with my many takes, but that is BuiltBar.com, and you won't regret it. Our other sponsor to note today is Wealthfront. We have talked about Wealthfront. They're one of our new sponsors. Wealthfront wants to manage your money. Uh, they, they know that, for the most part, people who day trade, they're not getting good returns on their investment. That is, you're, you're hurting yourself sometimes when you are a day trader and it's a lot of high risk it's a lot of you're putting a lot of stress on your body by all the stress that comes with that why do that why put that stress on you instead this takes the stress off you're going to go to wealthfront.com they're trusted with over 20 billion dollars of assets and you're getting your first five thousand dollars managed for free that's right for free for life over at wealthfront.com backslash locked on mlb all you need is 500 to get started grow your wealth the easy way and let Wellfront do the work for you. To get that first 5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wellfront.com backslash locked on MLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings. Go to Wellfront.com backslash locked on MLB and get started today. So quick recap. One, we had Marcello Mayer. Two, we had Jack Leiter. Three, we had uh, Jackson Job. Four, Cleo Watson. Five, Henry Davis. Six, Jordan Lawler. Seven, Kumar Rocker. That leaves the Rockies at eight. Now, the Rockies had been very conservative last year. They took a prep player early. They like power potential in a class like this. You know, if they were going to go safe at South Fralick, that's not really as much of a, a, a Rockies pick. He's not a power guy. Brady House is kind of the last of his tier of talent. I think Brady House here at eight, again, they did go prep a year ago. It's the same staff, even though the GM's out. It's kind of a disaster show a little bit. And and House is just one of those guys who, great power, shortstop now, probably moving to third, been famous for years. He's a guy that you can kind of sell a fan base on, a fan base that is struggling right now. So Brady House at eight, I think he's just, you know, it's the best available talent. It makes the most sense for the Rockies to go there. Angels at nine. Uh, I have been, you know, it's interesting because you see things that they've been a little looking into the prep talent. And and that's what I heard as well. I heard that they're kind of looking at multiple, multiple prep players. Now, in this case, the big three, big four, if you count House as a shortstop, uh, shortstops are off the board. We had, what, five of the first eight picks were high school players, which teams want to go college more than ever. They're just not able right now because the the, uh, the college talent didn't perform that well this year. Uh, Bubba Chandler would be the pitcher to watch here if we went uh, with a prep hitter. It's probably Harry Ford. Sal Fralick is the college bat. And I'm not as high on Ty Madden. I understand why people are. I'm going to... First drafts for teams are often a little more conservative. You have a new GM there. And I have to kind of balance that. It's like, is it going to be Madden? 
I am going to go against Book. Uh, I know Benny Montgomery is another name that's very popular here. But again, I'm, I'm going, going off book here. Uh, I'm going with Bubba Chandler. So this might be a surprise selection. This is a guy who is committed to Clemson as a quarterback and as a pitcher. One of the two Clemson uh, football players who I think will go in the first round of this draft and never step foot on campus. Athletic, good feel for his stuff. Number two pitcher in this class, in my opinion. And you know, if you're a, a new front office... I mean, look at the Angels' picks. When they have gone hyper-conservative, it hasn't always worked out for them. Uh, Some of those riskier picks, like Joe Adele, I mean, I know Adele has not solidified himself as a major leaguer yet, but return on investment on that pick early was great. I think Bubba Chandler is the name to watch here. Now, there is a chance that they could go with one of the prep shortstops way under slot here, like Carson Williams might be a name to know. Uh, Maybe a Colson Montgomery, who's more of a third baseman, less of a shortstop. Uh, you know, Harry Ford, I think, is a potential guy as well. But yeah, I'm going to go Bubba Chandler. I think that there is a chance to go Chandler with this selection. I think they want to go prep. I, I honestly, that's my general feel as of now with the Angels. No great inside information, but that gets us through the 10th pick, right? No, 9th pick. <laughs> Let's at least get that. Matt's at 10, South Freilich on the board is an easy connection to make. Uh, well, so it's Freilich or is it Bachman? It could be one, it could be the other. When they have drafted early, when Sandy Alderson was in charge before, they went to the college ranks. And Freilich is, you know, he's the three-star, three-sport star who has performed very well, probably going to move to more of a, uh, you know, maybe second base center field job for in his future. The Mets are currently, you know, they're first. They're in first in their division. Uh, you look at them as a team. Don't look, Frankie Lindor is playing better as much as everyone won. Uh, you know, we all commented in the early going. Their starting pitching has been fantastic. Their Jacob deGrom just might be hurt uh, as I recorded this. But you look at like, what they've gotten out of Tejon Walker and Marcus Stroman. And they still got Peterson Lucchese. They haven't even had Carlos Carrasco play this year. Uh, it's a team that's beat up in terms of the number of injured players. You know, Thor hasn't pitched at all this year either. Currently on their DL, on top of those guys, you have McNeil and Nimmo and Conforto and Davis. Uh, so why am I going in depth on this? I look at their bullpen, and you got Edwin Davis and you got Seth Lugo and Aaron Loop is performing pretty well for them. Uh, Juris Familia, not so much. Why am I focused on their bullpen? Sam Bachman at ten, I firmly believe could pitch in the majors this year. If you are the Mets and you are going for it, you could. Limit his innings, have him help you out of the pen this year, and then go back and work on stretching him out as a starter. Now, some might view that as, you know, uh, why would you do that with the 10th overall pick? Uh, My counter-argument to that is uh, he is very, very relatively safe. Now, I mean, there's always risk in the profile and there's risk for injury, if there isn't an injury between his fastball slider, I don't see how he isn't effective in the big leagues. You're getting a sure thing with a draft pick. It's cheaper to draft a Sam Bachman at 10 than to trade for a similar type of arm. Like you would have to give up more assets than the equivalent of the 10th overall pick in the draft to trade for someone like Sam Bachman. So if they take him here, I, I don't think it's an issue. 
And again, you know, we'll see. We have another month to go. But if DeGrom's injury is minor, and even if it's not, I mean, again, you can take a Bachman, get help this year, and then see if he can work as a starter. And if not, you can always just have, you know, an elite opener type. Like, there's a lot of ways this can be successful. I'm going to go with Bachman over Freelich because I feel like there is some win now stress and Bachman is the one guy I feel like in this class I can confidently say can help you win now. I have been Jeff Ellis. This is part one of the Lockdown Indians three-day mock draft event here in mid-June, mid to late June. Remember to join us on Tuesday to get the next edition. We will continue on starting at pick 12, the Washington Nationals. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.